Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City is Tim Bonte. Hello, guys. It's only 12 hours away from any NBA game. Last night, Pacers, Knicks, Knickerbockers with another W. Can't be stopped. Joining us from Los Angeles, California, mm. out on the West Coast, out watching about to watch the Mavericks play the Lakers on Thursday night band McMahon howdy partners it's been a uh, tough little LA stop for the DFW teams TCU the Mavericks <laughs> we'll see if that changes tonight Luca with the uh strategic uh collapse into the uh second row of stands you know they have a a big wide row there and it's uh for exactly so Luca can be safe for guys like that like when he toppled over those courtside uh, seat uh, holders. He better not try that again tonight because there'll be celebrities there. And, um, you know, the, 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 the security will move in to protect the celebrities, not Luca. Well, Luca was playing with a heavy heart. He's a week long TCU football fan and uh, <laughs> went to the game with Jay kid. Uh, Luca actually recently uh, got a horned frog as a pet. Luca jr. Yeah, where did that i saw where did that come from by the way i think the dude perfect guys gave it to him he did something with dude oh, perfect and okay you know and soon it was soon thereafter that he had a he had a horny toad as he calls it he had you know some cowboy boots and the hat you saw the whole get up for for christmas day but i did inquire about the uh emotional state of luca jr <laughs> as this little horny toad is is named luca informed me that he is sad he was sad after seeing his uh, his brothers, his brethren, the TCU Horn Frogs, get squished and squashed and just frog legs cooked all over by them mean old nasty bulldogs. Well, so we'll, we'll we'll see how uh, it took Luca half to get going against the Clippers, and wasn't quite enough. We'll see if he can if he can put together a full half, and if the Mavericks can hold a team under I don't know one sixty two or so. <laughs> That's the thing about Luca. He had definitely. What would you give his grade on that performance, McMahon? Was C plus? Yeah. And he get, ended up with whatever he it had, was forty three, eleven, and seven. Forty three. Like nobody really debate. Like who knows Luca at all that that was just an average game. You know, just not not bad, but not good. And he had 43. I don't know. Yeah, what, I, mean, I don't he, know. If he that's... got cooking in the second half. Obviously, it was it was too little, too late, and uh, not his finest defensive work. And that fit right in with the rest of the the Mavs crew. All right. Well, the Clippers needed the win. They, uh, so this did. week, over the over the next the last couple of days and over the next few days, just about every team is hitting the exact midpoint of the season, their 41st game. So we thought it would be an, a good opportunity to evaluate what we've seen. Uh, in the first half of the season, what we're interested in, what we've been surprised by or disappointed by, what we're what it's set up for the second half. Basically, a uh, catch-all we would say is our takeaways um, from watching these first 41 across the league. So, we're going to go down the line here, and we're going to start with um, the most respected member of our crew, uh, Mr. Bontemps. What? Yeah, <laughs> in the eyes of some, in the eyes of some people. Did you, I'm sorry, my AirPods aren't working that well. Did you say the most disrespected member of our crew? Yes, you you did hear it correctly. Okay. Good job. Uh, well, we can go a lot of different directions, I'm sure we will. But the thing that stood out to me, at least one of the things, is that I, I think the Western Conference might be the most wide open conference we've seen in 
as long as I can remember in terms of teams that could come out of it and reach the finals. I mean, you can, I think you can make an argument that up to maybe even seven teams can go into the playoffs as of today and say they can make a reasonable case that they could win three playoff series. Usually we go into the playoffs. There's a couple teams in each conference that really have a chance. Maybe one surprises and wins a couple rounds, like saying Atlanta did a couple years ago, but the NBA playoffs are generally not about surprises. And I feel like the West in particular this year has a chance to be um, completely unpredictable and totally wide open because, you know, say right now, Golden State's in a playing spot. If Golden State's playing Denver in the first round or Memphis in the first round, they're not going to be worried about winning that series and two more after that. Same with the Clippers, same with even Phoenix. You know, I, I just think we've got a chance to have a pretty exciting Western Conference playoffs. And I, I just, and from an unpredictable standpoint, I just think it's unlike anything we've seen in a really long time, if ever. The Western Conference playoffs were decided in, in December. John Morant declared. <laughs> the Grizzlies are fine in the West. What are you talking about? That's true. That's uh, true. No, I, I agree with you. And it, it's in large part because there's no just flat out dominant team. The, you know, the Nuggets and Grizzlies have been the best team. Certainly they both have superstar players, a, a perennial MVP in Nikola Jokic and, and obviously Morant. Um, but when you're looking at, as you mentioned, the Clippers and the uh, and the Warriors, uh, likely in the bottom half of the bracket, maybe even having to earn their way out of the play-in scenario, <laughs> that's pretty scary. And one thing that the other night, the Mavs uh, against the Clippers the other night was a reminder of is when Kawhi Leonard actually puts on a uniform, He's still one of the baddest bleepity bleeps on the planet Earth. I mean, he is still a full-blown Terminator Kawhi. So, you know, Paul George still isn't healthy. But if those two guys are healthy, nobody's going to be eager to see the Clippers in the playoffs. And, you know, the Warriors' four championships speak for itself. Yeah, I mean um... – Right now, you have the team that had the number one seed last year and was the number one team six weeks into the season is in the play-in. That's Phoenix. They're in a free fall hmm. because they have no players. And the Warriors, the defending champs, also in, in the play-in right now. I don't think it's going to end that way. Of your seven teams, Bontemps, who you, who, I'm, I'm curious as to who that, who's out of that mix. I mean, do you have Sacramento in that mix? The, the seven teams I think you can make some sort of case for are Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Dallas, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Warriors. Oh, okay. such talk about disrespect. Those beam letters, as we speak, are sitting in fourth place in the Western Conference. They yeah, are. You know, Mike Brown, uh, coach of the year candidate, actually. Oh, for I don't sure. know. He's, he's done a hell of a job. And they've had Indiana a great season. bonus atop his, uh, his straw poll. <laughs> uh yeah he just had like another triple double last night just don't mind him no he um, didn't he only had nine assists okay sorry um yeah i mean i definitely think that it you know i i don't want to take away from what i'm about to say so i'll just stop and i'll just go to you mcmahon for your uh observation no what oh no hold on now we want to know what you had to say well no i just i what i'm about to say is my takeaway my first takeaway is I don't want to steal from what I, from oh, okay. I'm you don't want to steal your own so, thunder. I got you. I thought, I like thought that. you were editing something yourself. Like I thought, I thought, no, you had a hot, you know, I thought you had a hot take <laughs> no. that you were suppressing. No, uh, I usually, I usually just straight get in trouble with that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. I mean, my, my take is, I think a, a takeaway here is a pretty obvious one. 
But that is, uh, this league has gone to a completely different stratosphere in terms of offensive production. And I'm not sure it's ever coming back. Just to put this in perspective, the the Cleveland Clap uh, Cleveland Cavaliers say that slowly. Uh, Wendy's hometown squad is the number one defensive team in the NBA. That efficiency is 109.2. Rewind five years, only five years, not a generation, just five years ago. 109.2 would have ranked tied for 19th in the league in defensive efficiency. And I think there's a wide variety of reasons. I do think some of the rules changes have helped and have been a good thing. The fact that you can't just wrap a guy up to stop the most exciting uh, play in basketball now is is certainly a good thing. Obviously, you look at the skill and the talent of not just stars in this league, but players in the league in general. You know, we can talk about obviously the three-point shooting. Uh, uh, another thing, though, is I just think guys who ha- were very good players in this league 10 years ago c- couldn't play in the, in the NBA today. And I'm talking about your Tony Allen types, like the one-dimensional defensive star, you know, your your all defensive guys who didn't contribute offensively. They can't get on the floor because you're not going to win mud wrestling matches in today's NBA. You've got to outscore. Well, teams. in the regular season, in the postseason, I think that's still for debate. In the postseason, the worst thing you can do is be in a situation where teams can guard. Yeah, teams I was. Five I was going to say, what's the debate there? I would say it's the opposite. Yeah, if anything, I think it goes, it goes the other way, but. You know, and I see people talking about, well, do they need to change the rules? You know, do they need to tweak this or that to to slow down scoring? I'm like, why? What you don't want, like you don't enjoy seeing guys put the ball in the basket. I, you know, I I think it's a good thing that this the scoring so crazy. I think it's a good thing that you can flip through league pass every night and think, hey, <laughs> there's a decent chance there's gonna be a 50 point game tonight. I think it's fun. Um, but I don't think that it's going to uh, – I, I, I don't think it's going back in the other direction. Yeah, I, I think um, it's I, – I would not be surprised if they consider a rule adjustment um, next year. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what it would be. Uh, you know, it's kind of – I don't want to talk about uh, the economy, but it's kind of like the idea of the Fed raising the uh, interest rates a little bit to, you know, just to cool down the inflation. Um, you know, maybe uh, allowing a modicum of uh, of hand checking because um, uh, it's it is might it might be a little bit too hot. It might be a little bit too hot. You you may not like to see games that um, you know where you sort of lose the concept of um, defensive integrity. Uh, so. I don't know. Um, I don't mean, I try not to be a stick in the mud with that, but I do think that, um, you know, the, the, the argument I think that you may have to keep it the way it is, is that we're seeing routinely, like every single night, teams make big giant comebacks. Teams are down yeah. 23, no big deal. It, it'll be five in uh, by three minutes to play. Team down uh, 19 at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, it's tied with four minutes left. Like we're seeing that all the time. And because of that, the speed of the game and that's, and the fact that there's just no way to, to slow the scoring, maybe the league is like, well, it, it increases the chances for 
uh, teams to stay in the game. But I, I think there's a possibility that they may try to come backwards a little bit. The, the freedom of movement has maybe gotten a little bit out of control. And as, as far as the playoffs go, you know, Bontemps, I know your opinion on this. And I agree that in a, in a possession game, where you are doing the straight matchups where everybody is switching that you find the weakest defender and you can exploit them. And then that player essentially gets played off the floor. Um, but there is still a role for, especially if you've got size and you can defend size. I mean, PJ Tucker would not have just been signed for $30 million if there wasn't, but he, a but he can shoot. He doesn't he do it shots. often, but he, he, he has become, you know, a guy who just stands in the corner and shoots threes. I'm talking about the guys who can't play anymore are, and I, you know, Tony Allen said it himself when I was in Memphis a few years ago before the the dental situation got out of hand. Um, you know, he he said <laughs> that's you know, one way bleeps, to put it. Bleeps like me couldn't play in today's NBA. <laughs> he said, "Dude with broken jumpers can't play in today's NBA. Like they won't let you on the floor." Well, I still think there's a value in a guy who can who can get some stops. But I agree that at the end of close playoff games, it's, it's hard to play them. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. All right, yeah, you can't you can't play it. You can't play a guy. You can't play a guy with a weakness at either end in a playoff game. And if you have to, then you're probably going to end up falling short at some point. That the, the well, there's got there's weak up, defenders getting 35 minutes routinely. <laughs> so you well, know, that you look is at the happening. team. You look at the Warriors last year when they rolled their five guys out there. The worst defender out there is Steph Curry, who's an average defender. Like that, you got to if that's how you win championships, like at the highest level. So. You know, if you go back through the last several years, that that's the common through line with these teams that you're seeing play at the end of the at the end of the season. Uh, okay, so the thing that I, am, as we sit here at the midpoint, um, with one exception, um, I don't think the contending teams have basically shown us anything. I don't think we have a really good feel of what any of the, the guy, the teams I really think have a good chance to win are going to look like with the exception of the Boston Celtics. Um, the Grizzlies to a lesser extent, but they still haven't really been able to deploy their team um, in for a long period of time. But like I'm looking at the Warriors. I haven't even seen what the Warriors are really going to be. Um, I'm, I have no opinion formed on them. And typically you would say, oh my God, you're under 500 at the midpoint. 
Like that's a red flag. I mean, certainly they've got concerns, certainly that they've got to clean some stuff up, but I think everything, all of their goals are in front of them. 76ers, they've been a mess for parts of this, the first half. And that's because they've had some of their guys just wiped out for huge periods. I think the 76ers have yet to show us what they can be when they're full ahead and chugging. They're just now beginning to show that. Um, the the Bucks, Chris Middleton's played like two games. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I, I expect them also to potentially make a, a supporting uh, player move. Um, I can't look at the Bucks and say, oh, yeah, that's the team. I mean, they've been good at times. Um, but you know, I, I can't say that, um, same with like, you know, you look at the Western conference, the Clippers, what am I, what am I supposed yeah. to read into that? Like yeah. Ty Lue is lamenting that they can't play three consecutive games healthy. Forget about 10 consecutive games. He's begging for 10 consecutive games that they can well, play you got healthy. The beam lighters up, up, up North in California and the switch flippers, with the uh, or switch clippers, I guess <laughs> that you know that's the the question. Can they flip the switch? Because you know this, like they're not going to get ten games in in a row of continuity. Like this is that's, you can that's sit what Ty's begging and, for. And beg, it ain't that. Yeah. But the they clippers, might. But but you clip- know what? They might. They might. Like, what if they get it all together? I mean, like you can say that it's not going to happen and bet against it. Fine. But what if they get yeah. it all together on March twentieth and play for three weeks? They might the be Clippers, the most potent team in the West coming into the playoffs. I don't know. They might be. The Clippers remind me a lot of the 18-19 Celtics, a team that that entire season everybody said was gonna it was gonna work out. It was gonna work out. All they were too talented. All these pieces were gonna come together, and it just never did. And like it could come together, but you know, like Golden State. To your point about them. They've had arguably the best starting five in the league when they've those guys have been healthy. They have to fix some of the supporting cast issues. In theory, it'd be good for them to make a move, but they're going to be playing those five guys 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. They're probably going to be pretty good, right? The Clippers, we just, like to your point, we've seen nothing from them. And, and to McMahon's point about Kawhi, the moments when he looks like that version of Kawhi Leonard, like you saw one of them, there have mm-hmm. only been a handful of them this year. Yeah. I think... Over the second half of the season, I need to see a lot more moments like that before I can really think that he's going to look like that on a consistent basis when well, it matters. And, yeah, he looked awesome the other night. For sure. Tim Hardaway Jr. was also the primary defender on him because the Mavericks have so many injuries that they don't right. have better options right now. You know, obviously right. they had to double him after, but still. My point is just like, you know, physically he's he looked like the guy who's who's won two finals MVPs. No question. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I don't exactly know how to judge the Nets. Um, they were, they underachieved for a while. Then they had the Kyrie situation that I kind of think they maybe overachieved for a while. And now Durant's out. I just, I don't like, you know, last year, the Warriors were the best team where, you know, they had that, that sort of slug, you know, but they were really good for like the first, 20 games and they were sluggish in the middle. Phoenix was really good the whole way. Like we could kind of see, and know Phoenix got upset, but we could kind of see really from all the way it was going to be Golden State and Phoenix. We felt really good about that. Didn't that's what everybody was, that's be- what everyone, yeah, that's what everyone was waiting to see, right? All season. Everyone yeah. was waiting to see that matchup. Well, you'll see it. You'll just wait for the play in. 
You'll see it. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, that right now would be a heck of a it would be the the game for seventh place. It would be that's a right. highly rated game for seventh place. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like I um, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that this has meant nothing, but um, you know, I still don't think that we've seen, and I don't think any team that's really in the top ten in either league. Like you look at Atlanta, for example. Atlanta has been one of the more disappointing teams in the league. Okay. And they've had some internal issues. Their general manager was ousted along the way. Um, but they're in 10th place. Like I'm not predicting that they're all of a sudden going to turn it on, but like if they have a six game win streak, they're like, they're right back there thinking they can maybe get to the conference finals. I, I, you know, the, the heat have been banged up all year and underachieved all year they're a five game win streak away from feeling like a million bucks and thinking that they could get back to the conference finals. Like I, I, I just think that the parody and the injuries and all the circumstances have basically meant that we're really not, we're halfway in and we're, we're really kind of just starting. That's, um, that's what I was going to say. Okay. McMahon, what do you got? What do you, what, what else is on your list? I think it's bomb Tim's turn because honestly, I've got to come oh. up with another one because the West is wide open was going to be my second one. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'll give you time to think about it. I, uh, my, my second one is that the, the vaunted tank race for Victor Wembenyama has not really come together in the way that uh, my colleagues on the pod thought it might a couple months ago. Like if you look, there's five, five or six teams that are really bad. One of them in particular, Charlotte, I think might have been a decent amount better if LaMelo Ball hadn't essentially missed the first 30 games of the season. But all these teams after that, we we don't see teams pivoting to plummet to the bottom of the standings as of now. Now, I was just in Toronto for a while. They're sort of wrestling with what to do, but I don't think they're going to go all the way that far down the line. The Bulls have gone on a bit of a hot streak lately. Obviously, they had a rough game last night in Washington, but Zach Levine's playing better. I think it's more likely they stand pat. You know, you look at all those Washington, all these teams in the middle, I think they're sort of going on the the trajectory that they typically have where they're just going to kind of see if they can be as good as they can be. And then you have teams like Sacramento, Utah, Indiana that were, you know, in New York, all these teams that you thought, well, maybe they'll backslide mm-hmm. a little bit and have decisions to make. They've instead gone the other way and shot up the standings. Well, we you thought know, Utah was, you know, they just traded their two franchise cornerstones right. and two other starters. We thought they were a full-blown tank of Palooza. Then they start out 10 and three. Right. So, and obviously they've gone, you know, 11 and 20 since then. So they're starting to come back down to earth. But, you know, the idea that there was going to be eight, 10, 12 teams like actively trying to position themselves to chase after getting Victor or Scoot in the draft. It just hasn't happened. And we have sort of a normal yeah. season. Yeah. I mean, that's true. We still have three weeks. It could change, but I think, I guess four weeks, but I think if just based off the trajectory of things now, we haven't seen anybody do anything out of character to sort of get in position for that. And if anything, we've seen a few teams surprise and be a lot better than we guessed they were going to be. Well, yeah, and the and the closest thing. Indiana's just... been better than we thought, right? Indiana was a team that we thought would be yes, a victory. That was team. that was one of the teams that I mentioned. That's right. Oh, he's sorry. he's reinforcing because typically <laughs> people don't think you make any good opinions, any good points. So when you some, do, some people, Wendy wants to provide some support and highlight your. It's like when when a dude goes one of eleven from the floor, 
and you you know you play the one bucket during the film session come on bond tips let them give you some love <laughs> golly this guy this is why he's disrespectful it's good Wendy. it's good because- more it's it's good i'm just glad you're giving yourself more time to think about actually you know, with I, brand. listen i this is true too also let me back up i apologize my it department told me that my bullish behavior is really getting a little bit out of control um, you know, she wanted me to soften your IT up department on, as your IT department met you before. <laughs> she wanted me to soften up a little bit on you. Um, she's, she is one of, I think a handful of bond temps fans in the world. Um, it's a small, it's a small group. She's so, an honored, she's so, an honored member. So let me, let me take my, my foot off the gas here. I'll, I'll, I'll tap the brakes. Bond temps. That was a, that was a great point. I think you really, uh, <laughs> I expressed it pal. well. And I, I I appreciate your uh, constant contributions and and real passion and knowledge for th- this podcast. How's that? <laughs> Very phony, but good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, passion, maybe not knowledge. <laughs> um, okay, uh, you want I some do more have time to think, away. McMahon? Because I I can go if you're if you want. Some no, I, I got think. one. The Joker's right. putting MVP voters in a really tough spot. Yeah. And, um, Wendy, unlike you, I do occasionally take a little scroll through my Twitter mentions. I'm now, I'm, I got that quick mute button, uh, trigger finger. I'll, I'll fully acknowledge that, but I'll take a scroll, a stroll, scroll, whatever you want to call it through there. And some Bucks fans were lighting me up the other day. I'm like, what the buck? what I do? <laughs> and so that was really terrible. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> WTB. <Jesus>. Um, <laughs> But they they from this this very podcast, they pulled a it was like a little graphic of me saying when Giannis was a two time defending champ, basically like it's really tough to vote a guy who hasn't even been to the finals as MVP for the third straight year, given the historic, you know, implications of such a vote, of such you know, a, a, a distinction, you know, first since Bird, I think, it's, what is it, Russell and Wilt are the only other guys. Well, Russell and Bird, yep. There you go. The only other guys who have been on that list. And obviously, Giannis went to the, he didn't win MVP, but he went to the finals, won a finals MVP that year. Um, I didn't think, I, I don't think I said you can't do it. I just said it's tough. And I still think it's tough. But I also think it's tough when a guy has been, an MVP twice in a row and is having the best season of his career for a team right. that's a number one seed in his conference, not to uh, give him a vote or at least put him like right now. I don't think you can put Joker lower than second. I, I So, you know, and I, Michael Malone's already kind of started the campaign, basically saying if your reason to not vote for him is because you can't give him three straight, you need to come up with a better reason. And that's fair. Well, and the other thing, the other thing that's factored into into that too is you've seen some of the competitors start to fall off, right? I mean, Kevin Durant was going to be right there with the mm-hmm. way the Nets have been playing. He's now going to miss, you know, a month, maybe six weeks. That's probably going to knock him out of realistic contention. Steph was going to be right there with the way he was playing. He's basically missed a month. That's probably knocked him out of contention. You know, so you 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 know, Devin Booker could have been games, there. He's out. Well, Embiid, you know, he just dealt with He's a foot out, thing again. Out, out, get him out. Don't right, even put him on your ballot. Uh, see, I knew this is why what I didn't have, want to bring this what do you up. Have the I knew other if night, I brought like up Joker, Joker's MVP that, that we yeah. were going to get some sensitivity coming from the Philly cream cheese section. 
Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes you get hurt when you play defense. Go on. <laughs> uh, I could throw you some really nerdy defensive metric numbers that uh, shine very favorably on the Joker. Listen, I went on a rant the other day, a couple weeks ago about how good the Nuggets were in the clutch, and you guys basically told me I was lucky. <laughs> or, or not I was lucky. They were just being lucky. So. That was that was bullish behavior by Bond Temps. <laughs> See, this is this is why I don't feel bad about picking on him. He's in, uh, <laughs> y- you know what, too. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, not that it really makes a difference, but, you know, he's now up to 9.7 assists. I think the other two days ago he had a 15 or 16 assists game. Look, you know said it, when, said it when we did the last straw poll. If he averages a triple-double and they are first in the West, it does. It's not going to matter if he won the last two in a row. Like, just right. not. I, I I do think though that he is maybe the one. The, uh, he's the one guy in that conversation uh, who's not kind of blatantly stat chasing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like when the Celtics came through Dallas, they're up 97 points going into the fourth quarter, and Tatum played the first nine minutes and change of the of the fourth quarter. Uh, checked out right after he got his tenth assist, so he you know he got his second career triple double. He he wanted that. He he played until well. That he got was it. coming off of that total dud performance they had in Oklahoma City. Oh, he they also were... he also scored nine points in about two minutes with a seventeen point lead last exactly. night. Late like in the he, fourth he quarter scored thirteen also. points and had like four assists in the fourth quarter and ended up with like 29, 14, and ten. It was I a know, total if, stat. If, if Tatum was out averaging two less points a game, it wouldn't really change his candidacy. Right, but it was a total stat padding performance, and Mavs fans okay. were all up in arms about it. Well, the very next Mavericks game, Luka played 39 <laughs> minutes against a Pelicans team that didn't have Zion, Brandon Ingram, uh, C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance. I mean, who? I don't know. I, I Go on down the list. Played 39 minutes. Ended up with 34, 10, and 10. He got that 10th rebound and and very quickly thereafter took a foul and checked out with a couple minutes to go. So my point is there's some pretty blatant stat chasing going around. Joker, though, I don't see him doing that. I I think uh, if you look it up, there's been a lot of games where he's ended up with nine assists and assists shy of a triple-double. Um, so, you know, like, I, like I, honestly, I, do you think Jokic really cares? I mean, cares is the wrong word. Of course he wants to win it, but like, do you think it will like, like, if you say, uh, Nikola, you, if you finish second for the MVP this year, like, do you think it like would alter the way he feels about himself for his season? I think that's, what's actually kind it. of interesting is that he, he's like, well, if I play and I win the third one, fine. If I don't fine, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he obviously wants to win the title. Um, you know, I don't think that's a question, but like, that's, what's so interesting about it is that, you know, his, he's probably less invested, you know, LeBron is downright still angry about some of the years he didn't win MVP. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he, he was angry in some years when he knew he wasn't the MVP, but he finished third instead of second, you know, like, um, like it bothered him, um, just because he's a competitor, not because it was more important than winning the title, but like, and Jokic is a competitor, but I, I just don't get the feel that he really cares one way or the other. And I don't know, maybe that's a benefit for it. Jokic uh, has eight, nine assist games and five, eight assist games also. There you crazy. go. Yeah. So, uh, well, look, the, 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 if you're looking for, if, the, if you get to the, to the end and there's four or five guys and you can't, 
maybe there's even if there's three guys and you're having difficulty trying to determine who you're going to vote for. Um, if they finish first in the West, even if he doesn't average a triple double, I mean, right now, if you give him the rounding air, he's averaging a triple double. So mm-hmm. you might as well just say he is. Um, it's not the way those, those things work. I know, but like, like if you're looking for a reason to give it to him, because I think the I think the point that you're you guys are making and is not wrong is that going into this season, people would be looking for a reason not to give it to him. Yes, he had a very so, he had a very uphill climb to win in the first place, which is why he wasn't near the closer <laughs> to the top in the first straw poll. But yeah. the way the way the season has shook out since then, with Denver moving to the top of the West, with him playing the way he is, and with other guys getting hurt. You know the door is becoming a lot more open for. Him. Yeah, and at, at this point, I think the best reason not to give it to Joker is because Luca's leading the league in scoring, putting up near triple double production, and and dragging a mediocre injury plagued roster to the middle of the West playoff pack. Which, by That's- the way, is how. Which, by the way, is how Jokic won it last year. Yeah, that's the so- exact formula he won it with. So. Well, if you know, Luca has absolutely a couple of incredible statement games. And mm-hmm. if he racks up a couple of more of those, you know, that's um that's definitely that definitely could be a factor. Um, you know, I also think that some of it is gonna come down to whether or not we see somebody like, you know, you like you say that Curry is been diminished, and you're not wrong if we took the poll today, Bon Temps, you would probably reflect that, but like what if they run off 18 out of 21 and he averages, you know, 36 a game in that streak, even if Denver stays, even if Denver stays at the same level and Jokic comes up the same level, if Curry has the narrative that he came back from injury and like save the Warriors season. It's possible. I just think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be very hard. There's a huge preponderance of evidence that if you missed 15 to 20 games, you don't, you're just not going to have the, ability to accrue enough value to win the award. Like now, again, I'm not ruling out the possibility, especially in today's environment where missing games is, is more of a normal thing than it's been in the past, that something like that could happen. And the West is wide open enough where if Steph in particular comes back and plays like that, maybe things are different. Maybe Durant comes back earlier than expected. Maybe that's different, but like, I think the odds are, those guys probably drop down a level or two and you're looking at a top tier of, you know, Jokic and Luca and Tatum and Giannis at this point. Look, Wendy, if you, if you miss several weeks of podcast, then your chances <laughs> to beat me out for most valuable podcaster are going to be drastically diminished. That's just the way Clearly. this thing works. So, some would say if you miss two podcasts, that would knock you out. Um, Mont- so needs it, to get in that MIP uh, race. If you look at the, um, Remaining strength of schedule. And I mean, this is a, a highly stat that you can play around with because it depends on when you get teams on back-to-backs. It's not weighted for that, or, you know, you get guys on injuries. But when you look at the remaining strength of schedule, the Denver's schedule was heavily front-loaded, mm-hmm. both with difficult games and with road games. They've evened out the home road split, evened out because they've been a home recently. But they're in the middle of the pack. They've got um, the 16th uh, most difficult strength of schedule left. Um Whereas, yeah, they're the uh, they're the heavy they're the heavy favorites to be the one seed. Right. Jokic never gets right. hurt. They have it. They have a bunch of home games. The schedule isn't that bad. Like they, it's lined up for them to be the number one seed in the West, presuming something catastrophic doesn't happen. Right. Whereas, like the Philadelphia has the toughest strength of schedule left. So, 
um, you know, uh, you know, I don't know where Embiid would would rank on the list. I think ahead of ninth where he finished in the first poll. Um, but uh, you know, Philly hasn't played the bulk of their difficult games left. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, the the uh, the team that I want to talk about here is kind of opened my eyes. Uh, the fourth easiest schedule the rest of the way belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm. It's one of the um, big takeaways I've had from the first half is just how bright the New Orleans Pelicans future is. You know, their present is a little bit complicated because, um, you know, Brandon Ingram's foot injury is really dragging. We've seen Mm. this before with toe injuries um, and they just can't, they just can't be rely. I mean, they've done really well to be third in the West considering the amount of games that uh, Ingram has missed and now Zion with the hamstring out. Um, but they've had other guys who've been, who've been banged up too. CJ McCollum was in, uh, yeah, he's really rounded into form at 38 points in their game on uh, Wednesday night, but he, uh, yeah, he was slumping. They, my point is they haven't even hit their best, but when you watch them uh, and you see how Zion has rounded into um, really more like the player that we all thought he would see, we would see when he was drafted, been way more uh, impactful and defensive end than he was when we've seen earlier, earlier in his career, continues to be a dominating force on offense. Um, I have a huge high opinion of Brandon Ingram. Um, and you look at the way some of their younger players have been developing, um, you know, not just, uh, um, uh, you know, Herb Jones, but also, uh, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, um, Najee Marshall, like, you know, Dyson Daniels, their lottery pick rookie. And then you think about how they have the Lakers first round pick and swap. Mm-hmm. Now the Lakers have done a much better job, uh, you know, after that fir- awful first month and their pick isn't looking as rosy, but you know, there's still a really good chance it's going to be in the lottery. And so that means they're facing potentially back-to-back years of being a playoff team themselves while being able to draft in the lottery, uh, the fruits of the Anthony Davis trade. And if you look where they're at, they have a bunch of trade assets mm-hmm. that they can that they can put together. I mean, you look at Devontae Graham, you look at um, uh, Garrett Temple, you look at, um, you know, uh, Jackson Hayes. They can assemble salary together and use potentially some of their draft assets to upgrade this roster if they want, whether it's by February or if it's, uh, if it's in the summer and, and, and the contracts that they have signed, the, um, the contract that they gave Devontae Graham is not looking so good. Okay. And, and it's been mitigated by the fact that Jose Alvarado has been a complete steal. And then the contract they signed him to after they found him as a diamond in the rough has also benefited them. And, um, but like the contracts that they have are all reasonable contracts. You might take issue with the CJ McCollum extension and say, boy, I don't know how that's going to look in two, two, two and a half or so years, but that contract actually descends in value. Mm-hmm. So you know, they've done a pretty good job of putting themselves in position, not only to be a contender this year, but to really be able to upgrade their roster, um, whether it's through the draft or through um, through trade. And their young guys have continued seriously to get better. Like, um, I don't know what Pelton and Bobby Marks do. You do you do the future power rankings too, uh, Bontemps? Are you involved in the future power yep. rankings? Okay. What are the? How do you guys? Do you guys have a formula? that you wait when you, uh, how you, when you judge those rankings? Yes. 
You mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there's a formula for each category in terms of how much it's weighted. Yes. I don't remember exactly what the weightings are across the board. I got to feel like new Orleans, if we did one right now, new Orleans would, it would rank pretty high. Um, Oh, where they're at maybe number one i mean yeah you know obviously everything depends on zion's ability to maintain conditioning stay healthy long term but dude you t- you just listed a a long list of guys who are developing good complementary fits and their stars are 25 and 22 their two best players are 25 and 22 and zion has a chance to be a you know perennial at least MVP conversation in the in the conversation you know he he's got a chance to be a top ten player for a long time well I don't know for a long time for for an, a window here. yeah I mean you know, whatever, six, we, it's all qualified years, it with his health we we you know whatever you want to say Zion just assume that it's all qualified with his health New Orleans right. was eleventh in October in our last uh, round of the power rankings that's behind, what I'm saying like behind Phoenix. Behind Denver, behind Toronto, behind Miami, behind Philly, might be. Okay, this I mean, is maybe I would have thought that like, was a you little put like a. No, you got Einstein and like Sir Isaac Newton, and then now you remember got what like you were told by your wife. Bozo the clown in the group. <clears throat> uh, he remembered. Whoa, what? Like I would have thought that was maybe a tad low, but I wouldn't have like taken major issue with it. Do you, I mean, what about now, Bon Temps? What do you think about where they're at now? I mean, you know, I'm not telling you to do the formula. I mean, they're, they're probably head. they're probably going to move up. I would say they'd move up a decent amount. I mean, they were tenth in players and tied for fifteenth in management. Those are probably both going to go up in the next round of voting. I, I would also guess. think Willie you Green's know? proven that he's a really well, that's really I, good coach. Well, that's part of the management grade, right? Like he's done a really good job. Like that's going to go up higher. Their, their player grade probably goes up higher, so they move up a few spots. And some of the teams above them, you know, teams like Toronto, Phoenix, Miami that have disappointed, they're going to slide back the other way a little bit. So, yeah. well, I'll, I'll say this to you. Um, I was in France this last week Ooh, um, uh, to spend some time with Victor Wembenyama. Um, Jonathan Gavoni and I, Spent several days talking to all kinds of people around Victor Wembanyama, uh, Victor himself, several times. Um, we'll be having stories and stuff come out later about that, and I'll talk more about it when we get close. The Pelicans had personnel in France, and um, uh, they spent some time talking to Victor's people. In fact, Victor's people—I I don't know how often the Pelicans have been there, but they, you know, sought it out. And Victor has made it very clear uh, on the record as well that there is no wrong team for him. He is not, um, he is not, he is, he even said, I think his exact quote was, there is no wrong team. Uh, He is absolutely presenting the front that, um, uh, that, that no matter where it is, he feels like he's going to be a good fit there. But of course, he has got to be looking at teams and thinking it would be interesting to go somewhere and not the other. And like, look right now, like, you know, in November where the Lakers were and, and now it's, it, it the yeah. chances aren't very high, but if you want to allow yourself to dream, you can understand why Victor might be keeping an eye on the, on the Pelicans because him on that squad, um, you know, that would be a, a cruel twist for the Lakers, but um, you know, uh, you know, there were, there was, there's a reason the Pelicans were spending some time there 
because it's on the board. It's not likely, but it's on the board. And um, uh, no matter what, they're going to get another, almost certainly another good good pick. You know, even if the Lakers squeak in, they're going to still be. Well, and the Lakers are also one or two losses for being in the top five or six in the lottery. It's not like, you know, they're 19 and 22 right now. They, it, there's no, they could move up the standings. They also could have an injury to LeBron and go the other way really fast. So, you know, it's certainly not, uh, it's certainly not off the board. Um, not for sure. They're in the mix for that. No, and, and to your point about New Orleans overall, they've, I mean, they're certainly going to be, you know, the, I mentioned at the beginning, they're one of the teams in the West that I'm certainly really interested in overall. And, you know, I'm really curious to see what Zion Williamson looks like in the playoffs. Like teams are going to be attacking him pretty relentlessly on defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think his defense has improved that much. I think it's gotten better. But let's see how it holds up in those situations. Well, his how... one-on-one defense may still be a problem, but his well, that that's point... a pretty significant problem in the playoffs. Plus, okay, they have but... Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum out there with them, who aren't exactly great defenders either. So that that I am very curious to see how they hold up. But they have a ton of talent. Uh, everything everything you said is right. They got a ton of talent. They have the ability to improve. They got a lot of young guys. They're fun to watch play. They're they're a really intriguing team. I'm I'm really curious to see what they look like in in the playoffs because they you know they they're they're going to be right in the mix. No question. Got to have got to have Brandon Ingram back though. Just gotta. And mm. um, I know there's been you know the team has been very vague on his situation, and that's whatever. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter if he's not right in January and if he goes a couple of weeks longer. What matters is that when you get to when it matters, is he's okay. And so whatever they're doing right now, they gotta they gotta have an eye on that. Um, all right, Bontemps, do you have anything else on your list? I got one more thing. Quick trivia question first. Oh yes, um, trivia. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom. On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. The, the Warriors obviously won the title last year. Who was they are under 500 at the halfway mark of the season? Who was the last team that won the title 
that was then under 500 at the halfway mark of the following season. Was it the never underestimate the heart of a champion Rockets? No. Ooh. They were they were they were not under they were not under 500 at all. Oh. There were five there were five te- there are four other teams that have done this. I'm just asking for the most recent one. Wasn't oh. the Shaq Heat, was it? It was the Shaq Heat. You know what? This like, guy is retire amazing. my retire my number. Reti- <laughs> put number 1 up in the rafters, baby. <laughs> is that what number you were? Number no, I was one? number 30 in basketball. Number four in football. So why number one? Because that's where I rank. (laughs) And because we don't wear jerseys as sports writers, you doofus. Right. But uh, I didn't understand retire your number. I didn't get it. Uh, That was a good one. Were they really below 500 that year in 2005-06? At the halfway mark. No, 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 no. 06-07, the year after they won the title. Oh, the champion year they won the title. Yes. I misunderstood the we question. We are the year after the Warriors won the title. So I misunderstood the question. It's like when you did trivia on Monday's pod with Dave and told him the answer as you asked the question. Was, <laughs> I'm obviously, obviously not meant for this. <laughs> that is 100% clear. My, uh, uh, I hands off that. <laughs> my final takeaway, though, uh, to save you from that is uh, I think we might be seeing a bit of a turning point in terms of these uh, large draft pick trades with what's happened in Atlanta and what's happened in Minnesota. Um, uh, obviously, obviously the, the elite players are still going to be sought after in trades. There's no question. If you like, you know, name a super high level player of Luca gets put on the trade market. Obviously everybody is going to offer whatever they have to get. Him. I could and, name another one. I think could, but well, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to turn this into people are going to be traded talk, but Guys like Rudy Gobert, DeJounte Murray, like good all-star caliber players getting traded for lots of picks, but aren't like top five, top 10 players. Those trades immediately don't look very good for those teams. And I I think I think it could be a bit of a resetting of the market and having people think twice before loading up for guys that aren't the super duper premium level player based off how those teams have played out. And I think the counterpoint to that would be like, Hey, where, where's drew holiday in the, you know, in that, what echelon is he in, you know, and that worked out awfully well for Milwaukee, but the difference is Milwaukee needed that finishing piece to be a That's championship right. team. And Minnesota hadn't Minnesota the thought second it, round. I know, but Minnesota thought it was, I don't know about finishing piece, but they thought it was like Minnesota uh, didn't come into the season thinking they were winning a championship. They could say what they want. That's not what to McMahon's point. That's definitely not what they were thinking. They thought they would be able to make a playoff run. But see, here's the thing, like just to frame that one of the reasons why the Knicks were hesitant to give the full boat for Donovan Mitchell is that they didn't think that trading for Donovan Mitchell meant that they had a team that could compete. They said, we can't give all of it because then we have nothing left to build for. Mm -hmm. Cleveland felt differently because they had Garland Mobley and, and Jared Allen. And we can debate about whether that mix is actually contending or not, but there, you know, the worth of Donovan Mitchell to them was a little bit different than it was to the Knicks. The worth of Gobert to the, the, the wolves was calculated on the fact that they thought that they had two perennial all-stars sitting there already on their roster. Um, and as far as DeJounte Murray, like it's, it's a weird thing. Like I don't think he's had a bad season, quote unquote, right. the fit obviously has not been working out. 
and um, you know, Trey, what they, what it was supposed to do for Trey young and make Trey young more efficient and better has not actually happened. They've not gotten better. Right. Um, and they've been, when it's been one or the other, they've been bad. Like they, it hadn't been great with both of them on the floor and they've been bad when just one is on the floor. Yeah. And he didn't have a, you know, they lost last night to the bucks in a game that Giannis had seven points and, um, DeJounte, um, Trey didn't play and, and DeJounte had a poor game. Not that I want to take a one game takeaway, but yeah, I, um, you know, I, you know, you, 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 you hear things, whether they're true or not about other role players being available in trade. And you hear about what the asking price is. And there's, there's an attempt by the, by the teams that are selling to try to get the same prices. And I have to, I would agree with you, Bon Temps. I just don't think we're going to see it, even though those situations were, you know, you can't look at them in a vacuum. They were a bit unique, but I got to tell you, Walker Kessler might've helped the, the wolves this year. <laughs> I mean, Walker Kessler is, He's a I mean, good I'm not saying he's Rudy Gobert, but he is. He's had a he really nice year. Of, he was the type of player that they were that they were missing. He's he's an <laughs> all rookie player. I'll say that no, absolutely. No question. And he's he's no, a guy who's going to no start in the NBA about for more than a decade. No Probably, question about hopefully. it. Yeah, um, and all these picks being traded, I think also are, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be hard to at least as of right now. We're a month off from the trade deadline. A lot could change, but it's just hard to see a ton of stuff happening over the next few weeks. Cause they're just, if you look at all these contending teams we talked about outside of basically new Orleans, pretty much all these other teams have traded a bunch of picks already. And the feet, it makes Suns, it difficult to make moves. The Suns have their picks, but they have this complicated ownership situation that you right. know, maybe it gets resolved. And all of a sudden everything clears the decks and they do something, but Grizzlies the Suns have their are picks the plus a Warriors pick next year. I know but the Grizzlies don't like to trade picks. The Grizzlies are yeah. so good at drafting. Yeah, I mean, they've, the teams that do have picks have shown no inclination to move them, and all the teams that would like to move them have basically moved but, all of them. So. But you're right. Generally, if you're selling at the deadline, the currency is draft picks. And if the draft, you know, it's supply and demand. If the supply of draft picks from the buyers can't meet the demand of the sellers, you're not going to see a market. You What the league needs to see, what the contenders need to see is a team or two that um, has pieces that all of a sudden jumps into the seller's market so that the, the market gets a little bit more friendly to the buyers. It gets a little bit more supply and demand. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't though. So, um, all right. McMahon's got to go to shoot around, go check on the Mavericks over there at uh, crypto.com or wherever they're shooting around. Thank you, Bon Temps. Uh, thank you, McMahon. Thank you to our producers, Jackson and Bruce. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you guys next week. I really appreciate your friendship, gentlemen, and uh, adios amigos. It's a kinder, softer McMahon. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop. 